Well, I don't know how you add to everything that's gone on so far this evening, especially when in the New Testament, one of the authors there talks about the foolishness of preaching. And it seems pretty foolish to me after that music, I tell you. It really does. But by the power of God's word, he is going to recreate his image in us. Amen? Amen. Well, the title of the message this evening is Planning to Prosper. God has planted in my heart and in all of your hearts a desire to prosper. My favorite author wrote a book all about it called The Desire of Ages. It is the desire of all ages. Tonight I'm going to be looking at prospering not financially, but spiritually. And particularly spiritually within the family. Why don't you turn with me, those of you who have your Bibles, to 3 John 2. There we read in Holy Writ, Beloved, that's you and me. You can put your name in there. Put your name in there. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. God wants us to prosper in our souls. He knows that is far more important than the outward things that we count so dear. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of us here are cooperating with God in his plan to prosper us. You know, as all the men were up here singing, wasn't that fun? Oh, wow. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) In fact, I was partly instrumental in getting it to happen because we did that in Minnesota last year. And I said, we have got to do this everywhere we go. And so far we have. (laughs) You know, as we were singing that, it came to my mind I don't know where it was, in one of the hymns, we talked about Christ being crucified. And it came to me, just in a flash, never thought of it like this before, but for the plan of salvation, the justification part of the plan of salvation, Jesus Christ had to be crucified. And for the rest of the plan of salvation, brothers and sisters, for the sanctification side of it, It's us that needs to be crucified. We need to be crucified. It's the only way to prosper. Did you know that the way up is the way down? The only way up is to head down, is to humble our hearts before the Lord and let him do his marvelous things. Hebrews 10.25, well, before we read that, I think you know what it says. Isn't camp meeting a real blessing? Isn't it a real high? Don't you wish you could have one every weekend? 
And it says here that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But even if we could come to camp meeting every Sabbath, I know, brothers and sisters, that would not fulfill your desire to prosper that God has put in your heart. Because God wants to be closer to us, even than family camp meeting. God wants to be so close to us that he has us moment by moment and day by day. And as I'm going to talk to you this evening and share with you about planning to prosper, I'm going to try and make it as practical as I know how. Something that you can actually physically take away with you. I encourage you, if you've got pens and papers, to make some notes. If you haven't, I encourage you to pick up the tapes. It won't be now. It'll have to be Sunday. This message is split into three parts. First of all, we're going to look at personal prayer time. Then we're going to look at prayerful planning. And then we're going to look at thoughtful study. Looking at prayer time, first of all, First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7 says, in the New King James I'm reading from here, but the end of all things is at hand. Do you believe it, brothers and sisters? The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, because the end is coming quicker than we realize, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. You know, so often, and I speak from personal experience, but so often, brothers and sisters, our prayer life is nowhere near what God is calling us to. Sometimes, and see if you can relate with me, sometimes we can be praying, and after a little while, we realize that we are actually talking to ourselves. Have you ever had that experience? Be honest. God knows anyway. <laughs> we can be start talking to the Lord, and then we can soon go off into our own thoughts, and our mind just goes off, and before we realize where we are, we're just talking to ourselves. The Lord is calling us way deeper in our prayer life, brothers and sisters. Psalm 95 and verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. What did it say? Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. You remember when Daniel, that decree was written that you could pray to no other God for 30 days. What did Daniel do? We pick it up in Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chambers towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, giving thanks to his God as he did aforetime. You know, the Bible isn't just padded out with words to make it up to so many words by the end of it. Every word, I believe, is inspired. It says there that it gave us the detail that he kneeled upon his knees. Remember Jesus in Gethsemane. He withdrew himself from them about a stone's throw 
and knelt down and prayed. All of these men were serious about their prayers, and they showed that at least by kneeling down. Remember in the book of Acts, when Tabitha had died, that good woman, full of godly deeds, and she'd passed away, and they found out that Peter was nearby. And Peter came, and he said, but Peter put them out, put all the people out the room, and knelt down and prayed. And you know the rest of the story. Brothers and sisters, I have come to believe that if we are serious in our prayers, and if we really realize who God is, we're at least going to kneel down. Don't you agree? You know, how often we can pray, just sat on our chair, dear Father in heaven, since I've become sensitive to this, it doesn't, it, for me it just does not seem right to address the God of the universe that way. You know, the, uh, that planet up in the sky, I don't know if you call it a planet, I'll call it a planet, that has been shining all day. Hasn't it been good? The sun. If you could, children, if you could hollow out the sun, okay, just say you had that project and you could just leave the shell and you could hollow it all out so there was nothing inside the sun. You just got the, the outside of it. You know, the skin of the apple without the apple. How many planet Earths do you think, children, you could get inside the sun? How many? Two or four, I heard somebody say. Well, a thousand? A hundred billion is a big number. I wouldn't even know how to write that one. <laughs> one million planet Earths could fit inside the sun. Isn't that amazing? Just get your mind around that for a minute. One million planet Earths could fit inside the sun. I was tired today because I ran around that field two or three times. And that's just one little field in one little Washington in one little America. But you take one little world and make a million of them and put it inside the sun, that is a big sun. And then they've recorded explosions on the sun, the equivalent of a million hydrogen bombs. Just one little explosion going off, one little explosion. They have videoed flames, if you can call them flames, they've videoed flames 100,000 miles long leaping out into space. 100,000 miles. The Earth is 8,000 miles across. So it would just lick our planet up in a flash. But let me ask you the important question. How did the sun get there? God said, let there be light. And there it was. And we sit there and say, dear Father, it doesn't add up, does it? We need to be serious in our prayers. We are speaking to the creator of the universe when we pray. So why should we kneel down? Should we just go through the motions and say, oh, I heard a sermon one day about kneeling down. For me... I kneel down because I realize that I am the sinner and God is my creator. And he has died for me. 
And brothers and sisters, he has died for you. Do you realize what a price heaven paid for your soul? Do you realize the battle that went on in heaven when the father was going to let his son go and do that? For us? And then when we find out that Christ would have done that for one, he would have done it for a little child. And he did do it. He was crucified for us. Will we be crucified for him? You know, when we kneel, I believe that we are indicating to God and reminding ourselves of our relationship with our Creator. He is a loving brother, and he abides with us through the day, and he does not forsake us when we fail him. But let's not forget that he is God, and we are sinners, brothers and sisters, in need of a Savior. You know, when our family lived in Ireland, I started up a computer business, just building little computers and selling them to individuals, and then we started selling them to schools, and then the schools wanted them networked together. And I was quite comfortable with that. But then a company, a big computer company in Dublin, called me and they said, we have just sold 30 computers to a college near you, and the person who was going to install the network and set it all up can't make it. Would you do it? Well, I'm just me. <laughs> I mean, I've, I don't really have those kind of skills. I didn't say that to them. I was saying that to myself. I said, I'll think about it. <laughs> so do you think when I went to the Lord to talk about this, it was like, well, what do you think, God? It wasn't like that. I was on my knees by the side of our bed saying, Lord, I don't know anything about Windows NT as it was back then. I don't know if I can do this. Do you think I can? And I was talking to him and I was earnest. I wanted a yes or a no. <laughs> I didn't want to go and make a fool of myself just as my new business was getting off the ground. And I knelt down and I was fairly sure I couldn't. And as I knelt down, I just kept getting this nagging thought do it. Do it. Is that you, Lord? Do it. I really need to know. And I was down on my knees and I was earnest. There was no problem whatsoever being earnest. And that was just over my temporal reputation. What about our spiritual lives, brothers and sisters? Well, I've been accused sometimes of not finishing the story. We took the job and it all worked out fine. The Lord was right. But the illustration is we need to go to the Lord and ask him some serious questions, as if we really mean it. Go to him and tell him, because he knows it all already, Lord, I'm a failure. Admit it to yourself and admit it to him. He knows anyway. Lord, I need your help. I messed up today and I messed up yesterday. Lord, I need your help. I'd been in the habit of kneeling down in my personal quiet time for some while, but I believe this extends into family worship. We spoke a little bit about that. And in our family now, we have one of those sofas where you pull the lever on the side and the, the feet flip up, and I like that position. That's very comfortable for me. 
And oftentimes we sit down and the children jump on the sofa and we get all our books out and, oh, now it's time for worship. Well, push the lever forward, put the knees down, and we kneel down. Because we want to remind ourselves and we want to show God that we are serious about our Christian walk. We are serious about finding out his will from his scriptures and living by his spirit. Brothers, we only get one chance in this life. Last about 60 or 70 years, maybe 80 if you're lucky. We're pilgrims just passing through. And eternity has been from ever past and will be forever in the future. As the scripture says, we're just like a piece of grass. What are we doing with our lives, brothers and sisters? Are we coming to camp meeting and then going away and carrying on our lives as usual and going to come again next year? Or are we really going to get serious with the Lord? You know, I know you all know this, but I'll say it anyway. You don't have to be on your knees to pray. You can pray anytime. You can pray when you're driving. You can pray when you're walking. You know, you can pray when you're talking to somebody. You can pray on the phone. And we should. It's amazing what can go on in your mind in a short time, talking to the Lord. I was preaching just last week, and I said something. I pointed out a man, and I said, he's got four daughters. And then I realized, right as I was saying that, that the one person I thought was his daughter was not his daughter, and he didn't have four daughters. He only had three. And I'm, I'm speaking, and I'm realizing this, so things are coming out of my mouth, and things are going in my mind. And I said, Lord... I messed up, just in my mind there. And the Lord said back, no, you didn't. They do have four daughters. I thought, I'm not going to argue about it now, Lord, because I can see there's only three there. And I know that family, and there's only three. Well, after the service, the wife came to me and said, you were right. We lost one. 17 hours old. I never knew that. But the Lord was communicating. If we're serious, brothers and sisters, the Lord has a lot to say. He is ever sending messages to his people through his word and through his spirit. Let's tune in, brothers and sisters. Let's be serious. So what do we pray? My favorite author wrote a book called Steps to Christ. And it says on page 100, keep your wants which really is an old-fashioned word for needs. Keep your needs, your joys, your sorrows, your cares, and your fears before God. You cannot burden him. You cannot weary him. Isn't that good to know? Philippians 4.6 says, Be anxious for nothing. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You know, many of us carry a whole bag of background burdens. Do you know what I mean by background burdens? Just little things that kind of plop into your day and into your life. And if you could physically see them and put them in your backpack, you'd be soon weighed down. And many of us, brothers and sisters, are weighed down spiritually with all kinds of burdens. All kinds of things we know we're not doing that we should do. All kinds of things we know we promised that we would do and we never did. Do you relate? 
Are some of those background burdens coming to your mind right now? It says on that same page of that same book, take to him everything that perplexes the mind. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. You know, we don't get to see my parents very often. I really love my parents. They've been here in the past. And they were over last summer, and we spent four weeks together. It was great. They enjoyed the children, our children, their grandchildren. And we were eating a breakfast together at our home, and I was pleasant conversation, chewing on some soft bread, and all of a sudden I've got something that's not bread in my mouth. It's something hard, something little, something solid. I thought, that feels like a piece of a tooth. So I dug around in there and, yeah, it was quite a big piece of tooth, but it didn't hurt. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But that is instantly, for any one of you, it's a burden. Oh, what am I going to do about that? Is it going to hurt? How much is it going to cost to get it fixed? (laughs) All those things go through your mind in a flash. So I said, I went to the bathroom and came back, and I said, hey, Dad, a bit of my tooth just fell off. He said, you know, that happened to me, you know, a little while ago. I says, oh, what did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. I says, well, how is it? He says, Bill has been fine. I thought, oh, that's good. That might happen for me. (laughs) Dentist? Put your fingers in your ears. (laughs) But it's a background burden. But this is is an illustration of what so often we do spiritually. I didn't want to deal with it. So I just ignored it. I just stuffed it down, just ignored it. It'll go away. And it did go away for a while. And then I was on my computer one day, as I often am, and I was kind of fiddling around with my tongue inside my mouth, you know, just kind of, going around, and I don't know what happened. I must have touched something with a nerve or something, but it was like somebody had smashed me across the face. I thought, whoa, I need to do something about that. So I said to my wife, I need to do something, and she says, yes, you do. (laughs) I said, not you, got to go to the dentist, though, is it? (laughs) Anybody here frightened of the dentist? Good, we had about as many hands up as we did for schedule. (laughs) Well, I'll admit, I was frightened of the dentist. I didn't really want to go. I didn't want to pay the money. I didn't want to pay the pain. I didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to go away. But how often, brothers and sisters, do we do that with spiritual things? Things that we know we need to deal with in our spiritual life, and we just hope they'll go away. But they don't go away, brothers and sisters. So, I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I've got a problem with my tooth. He knows that already. (laughs) We can never tell God anything he doesn't know. All all we're really doing is admitting to ourselves that we've got a problem. Lord, take my fear away. I'm going to go to the dentist. And he did. He took all the fear away. Don't we serve a good God? So I called up the dentist and he said, come down in a, a week or so. And I drove down, and the dentist had told me exactly where to come. You know, it was, way, it was out of our town. It was an Adventist dentist. And he said, when you get to mile marker 43 or something, just a mile past there. So there I see mile marker 43, and I think, oh, I'm going to get nervous now. 
because I know any minute I'm going to be in that chair and he's going to be drilling with that drill. But I was not nervous, brothers and sisters, because I'd given that burden to him. I'd really given it to him, seriously, in prayer. Is a tooth too little a thing to pray about? Certainly not. So I got there, and we had a bit of small talk, and I lay there, and I don't know what he was doing, probably putting on his gloves or doing something, but I was laying there in his chair now, and that big light was pointing at me, and I thought, it's going to happen any minute, Lord. And I took my own pulse, and it was normal. I was amazed. Anyway, I had a lot more pain before I got to the dentist than I did at the dentist. If anybody is frightened of the dentist, go there and get it over and done with. But spiritually, brothers and sisters, let's go there and get it over and done with, with the Lord. Maybe it's a sin that you're holding on in your heart, and you know you are. Go to the Lord and confess it. Maybe you need to say sorry to somebody. Go to the Lord. He'll give you the courage to do it. And life will be all the sweeter. Moving on from serious prayer to prayerful planning. We all have duties, don't we? We all have things to do. Anybody here just have, you know, when you're making up a schedule, the main problem is just trying to fill up the schedule with things to put in it. Anybody have that problem? You just... Somebody said retired is being getting tired again, retired. So it doesn't even happen there, I don't think, but it certainly hasn't happened for me. So I have come to the Lord, and I now, in my prayer time, <coughs> talk to the Lord about the actual day ahead and what is going to happen in that day, the burdens that I've got that I need to take care of. <coughs> you know, If we don't make a plan for the day, the devil will plan our day. And whether we realize it or not, we will be subject to that plan and we will fall into it. You know, I have a little PDA and on there I like to make little notes of what need to be done that day. And I don't do this just by consulting my own desires. This is in my prayer time. And I go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, today... Tell me what I need to do. And of course, your mind is flooded straight away. I'm going to give you an example of just one day. Before I do, let me read from my favorite author once again, the book Evangelism. When you rise in the morning, take into consideration, as far as possible, the work that must be accomplished during the day. If necessary, have a small book. Or the NIV NIV version would be a PDA, (laughs) in which to jot down the things that need to be done. Do you do that, brothers and sisters? I bet some of you do. This was my list one day. Just going to give you a practical example. Number one, this is with the Lord. Trials article to Kathy. Had an article, and this lady's going to try and make it into a book for me, so I had to get her the article. So I emailed it over to her. That was on my list. The next thing was call Daryl. The next thing was get wood over. We've got people coming to stay in our house and the wood was the other side of the driveway. I needed to bring it closer to the house. Print catalogue inserts. Call Brent. 
PAC PA, it was just the day before we were going to Oklahoma camp meeting, pay visa, order church CD recorder, send family camp meeting info to Charlene and Phil, add illustrations to this message. That was my list for the day. I'd worked this out with the Lord. I had some other things that I wanted to do that day, but I already realized there's way too many things on that list almost for one day. We need, brothers and sisters, and you might have heard this said before, we need to plan our work with God and then work our plan with God if we're going to have a successful day. Plan our work and work our plan. Well, I got into the day, and I went down to my office, and I pulled out my little machine there, child's article to Kathy. Great. Email that off. Next thing, call Daryl. Call Daryl. Busy. Okay, move on to the next thing. Get wood over. Well, circumstances have changed even early on in the day, and those people weren't coming anymore, so didn't need to do that. Tick that off. Print catalog inserts. Okay, well, we have a wax printer. It takes 20 minutes to warm up, so I'll switch that on, and I'll do something else. I'll come back to that. Called Brent. Called Brent. I thought, I'll try Daryl again. Still busy. He was on the internet, I know. <laughs> Pack PA. Oh, the PA's out in the shed. Oh. Okay, I'll go and do that. So I go and pack the PA, get it all in the suitcases, ready to take on the airplane. Got all that done. Come back. Next thing was pay visa. Ah, oh. you know, all the ministry expenses and all my personal expenses are all mixed in there, and it takes quite a while to separate all that out. But I started on that. I thought I'd call Daryl. It's easier to do that. Still busy. And then I realized, oh, that printer's warmed up, and it's still sitting there, just burning wax, not doing anything. So I get those things printed. I get on, I work out the visa bill, get all that sorted. That took about an hour, hour and a half. Really, what I wanted to do was the thing on my list there was order church CD recorder. You know, I really like gizmos. I really do. Anybody else? (laughs) They can get a bit overwhelming sometimes, can't they, Caleb? (laughs) But I really wanted to get to that. I knew I could get on the internet, get a good deal for the church. They'd given me that responsibility. But I knew I had to work through these other things first. You know, a practical point, brothers and sisters, when you're making up a list of things to do in the day, put the things you like to do the best where? Last or near the end. Because then you're real motivated to get through those things that you're not necessarily so interested in, like paying visa. So I finally got to ordering that CD recorder. I really enjoyed that. Then I got on to sending the family camp meeting info to Phil and Charlene, and then I added the illustrations to this message. I worked through that plan with the Lord in the morning, determined my priorities, what needed to be done, what didn't need to be done. Because so often in real life, what happens, brothers and sisters? We, We know we're meant to do this, this, and this, but we get hooked up on... That, that, and that. And then at the end of the day, your wife will say to you, did you do that, honey? Oh, I forgot. Has that ever happened to anybody? Has that ever happened to anybody? (laughs) It's because, brothers and sisters, we don't take time to work out our day with the Lord 
And if we do take time to work out the day, we don't follow what we worked out. You know, in case I got through that list that day, that was pretty amazing. That doesn't happen very often. Another day I made a list. I won't go into the details of it. And I went down into my office and the phone rang, as it often does. And it was a long phone call, about an hour, hour and a half. And I finished on that phone call. And just as I hung up, the phone rang again. It was for me. And so I was on the phone again for a good length of time. And then I'd been on the phone for quite a while. I thought I'd go upstairs, just stretch my legs, see how the family's doing, see how the children are doing. I went upstairs and Carolyn says, oh, such and such called. She wants to come over. They've got some problems. I says, okay, do they need me and you? No, just me. Okay. And so, you know, we, we had some little talk time. We like to keep in communication through the day. And I went downstairs and I heard our personal phone ringing. And then Carolyn came down the stairs and she said, you know, this lady would really like to meet with both of us, if that's possible. She'll be here in 20 minutes. Okay. So I did a few things, and then she came. And it was a real, quite a difficult situation that she had to work through. And we spoke for, what, a couple of hours? And then, Carolyn, after she left, Carol and I had some things to discuss backwards and forwards. You know, did we give the right counsel, or, you know, is there anything else we can do? And, and then it was about 3 o'clock. I have done nothing on my list so far. <laughs> you ever have days like that? But that's okay. That's perfectly fine with me because, you know, even though we make our list with the Lord in the morning, He is God and He can take over any time He wants. It says in that little book, Steps to Christ, each morning consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to Him. Well, what if you haven't made any plans, brothers and sisters? Can you do that? No, I surrendered my plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. His providence very clearly indicated to me that day that there was something far more important than my little list, even though I'd made that list with him. Your list is not your savior, your savior is your savior. You know, if we don't make plans for our day, as I said, circumstances will overtake us. You've all experienced it. We're told that man can shape circumstances, but circumstances should not be allowed to shape the man. If we get run by circumstances each day, just talking about a daily basis now, then you know days grow into weeks, and weeks grow into years. And we might come back to family camp meeting next year and say, you know, all those things I learned just slipped away from me. And now I feel like I'm here having made very little progress in my spiritual walk. Isn't that sad for that to happen? If we can give our plans to God one day at a time, we're giving our life to him one day at a time. Planning takes out those nagging thoughts out of our lives. Would you like to be free of those nagging thoughts? We can get on top of life, brothers and sisters, with Christ. Life can be joyful. 
We don't have to be dragged around with all those background burdens. Of no talent he has given us will he require a more strict account than that of our time. Thoughtful study. We've looked at prayer time. We've looked at planning the day. Let's look at thoughtful study. You know, if we're really studying the Bible, as we should, we will have our will crossed. And you know, sometimes when you read the scriptures, you can come to something that really touches your heart. And have any, any of you ever done this? You've kind of thought, ah, oh, that's for me. And you carry on reading. And you read past it. Hoping that somehow by just carrying on reading, you can bury the conviction that just flashed into your mind. I'll read the whole chapter for you, Lord. (laughs) It's a cop-out, brothers and sisters. (laughs) If the Lord speaks to you as you read his scriptures, praise the Lord, you've got the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word speaking to you at the same time. You can be sure that's God. You know, I like to... Sometimes I like to read a whole chapter or two or listen to it on a CD player or whatever. But my favorite thing is just to take one verse, just one verse and spend a good length of time on that. I was doing that one day with Luke 22:42. It says there, Father, we all know it, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I started looking at that verse. We all know that verse. We've all heard it many a time. I started taking it step by step. Father. Jesus was praying like we have to pray. Father. And then it said, if thou be willing. And I looked it up in a different translation in the New King James. And there it said, if it is your will. How many times have you ever said that in prayer? If it's your will, Lord, somehow let me know. You know, if it's your will, we go to college. If it's your will, we go to camp meeting. If it's your will, we go and see such and such. We often say that, and here is Christ saying it. If it's your will. When I say, if it's your will, it's because I don't know if it is. Is that the same for you? That's why I'm saying if. But here is Christ saying, if thou be willing. That made me realize at this point in Christ's experience with all that he was going through, and I haven't got time to amplify all of that, he didn't quite know what the Lord's will was at that point. He didn't know what the Father's will was. That's why he said, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. We know what cup that was. Christ was trembling on the brink there of what he was about to go and do. Was he going to go and give his life for us? Think of the situation he was in, brothers and sisters. The church had rejected him. His disciples had forsaken him. One of his most trusted disciples he knew was going to betray him. What a situation, what a... What an atmosphere to be in. Decide whether you're going to give your life for this race. He was toying. 
he was going backwards and forwards. But you know he did it. And you know why he did it? Because he loves you and me. He was crucified for us. Are we going to be crucified for him? Or are we going to just play pretend? We're just going to go through the motions. Go to church. Do our Sabbath school lesson. Go to prayer meeting. We should do those things, but are we just going to go through the motions and pretend? Or are we going to be real with God? Those thoughts came to my mind as I went through that. Jesus came to the point in his prayer there in Gethsemane where he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He did it, brothers and sisters. He went through that decision that I'll be very honest with you, I haven't been through it yet. I've, been, I've done the best I have. But I think there's very few of us that have really gone through that experience that we're going to have to go through if we're going to be God's final generation. Another time I was looking at another verse, Luke 9, 3. It said, and he said unto them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, nor bread, nor money, neither have two coats apiece. I'd read that verse before, but I was going through it one morning, and I thought, no script. I have a script, or at least I thought that's what it, it was talking about. I thought, wow, does that mean you're meant to get up and preach without any notes? That would be really scary. <laughs> but then I looked at that word script, as I always thought it was, and it didn't have a T on the end. It just said scrip. I thought, well, what is a scrip? So I looked up in a newer version, and it said bag. I looked up in the Greek lexicon, and it said bag. I looked up in a real modern version, and it said take no stuff with you. (laughs) It was real shortened. Take no equipment with you. That's what it said. I began to realize that that verse was not talking at all about a script. It's talking about a bag. In fact, the New King James does say bag. That made a lot more sense to me. Don't provide for yourself. Trust for the Lord. Are we trusting for the Lord, brothers and sisters? Or are we making sure we're taken well care of? You don't have to be a preacher just to have this verse apply to you. We all go through life. Are we trying just to provide for ourselves, or we trust in the Lord for those areas that are out of our hands? You know, as I was preparing this message, it was last year, and it was about the time that Hurricane Isabel was about to hit the East Coast. And I looked on CNN there on the internet, and you could see pictures of people boarding up the shops, you know, hammering big boards up there and taking things down that were weak and wobbly and building up walls that, you know, needed strengthening, they were preparing for a storm that was coming. And they were pretty serious about it because the windows could get blown out or the chimney could get blown off or whatever it was. But that's just temporal stuff, brothers and sisters. There's a storm that is forecast to fall upon us. 
Are we preparing? Or are we pretending? I'm only asking you questions that the Lord asks me. Are we just going through the motions? Are we really preparing for what's ahead of us? I'm sorry to tell you, but I think I must, that it's going to be worse than ever you can imagine. But don't be fearful, because if we have the Lord, if we've made preparation now, we shall go through and we shall rejoice. And even when we leave this earth, we shall call them our light afflictions, if we're with the Lord. You know, Jesus gave us an example of the importance of personal time. I've been talking really about morning time. We're told in Matthew 125, Mark 125, sorry. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus felt his need of prayer. John chapter 8. Now early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. You know, many of those things in the Gospels that we read and we enjoy and we get excited about happened in the early morning hours when Jesus had the temple to himself, so to speak. That word early in that verse is translated very early, sunrise. What are we doing at sunrise, brothers and sisters? Are we snoozing like the disciples in Gethsemane? Or are we praying like Christ in Gethsemane? You know, one of the hardest things for me personally, and one of the things that really gets in the way of my appointment with God in the morning, is going to bed late. (laughs) What happens, brothers and sisters, if you go to bed late? (laughs) You can't get up or you get up late. The devil has a game plan to keep us away from a meaningful quiet time or personal devotions, to keep us away from being serious in prayer, to keep us away from planning our day, to keep us away from the Bible. He has a plan. I call it lies, late nights, and lots to do. His lies, first of all, and I bet he's whispered it to at least half the people in this room, even during this meeting, because I know how the devil operates. His lies are, it'll never work for you. Have you heard it? It's a lie, brothers and sisters. It will work for you. It will work for me. We can be serious with God. There's nothing in the way. We might have had a bad upbringing. We might be in a bad situation presently. But that's not too hard for the Lord if we'll give our hearts to him. Another lie that the devil feeds us is you've tried it in the past and it didn't work. It won't last. Don't try again. It's a lie, brothers and sisters. Late nights. Yeah, they are a real curse, late nights. We so easily fall into them. You know, the other day we were just commenting in our house, 
You know, if you're half an hour late going to bed or an hour late going to bed, that doesn't seem like very much, does it? But you try being an hour late for work. Wow, it seems like a long time. (laughs) Or an hour late eating breakfast or whatever. It seems a long time in the morning. It seems nothing in the evening because we get busy and we forget the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I didn't write this, but I'm going to read it to you. It's my favorite author again. It says... It is a very bad habit to let the work drag and drive one. Drive the work and you will not become discouraged. Make it a habit not to sit up after nine (laughs) o'clock. Now, it does say habit. We can have a one-off, okay? (laughs) But don't make the one-offs two offs and three offs until finally we're into 24-7 offs <laughs> and it's just become a habit to go to bed late. It says, make it a habit not to sit up after nine o'clock. Isn't that amazing? Anybody need that counsel? You know, if you go to bed before nine o'clock, you can get up. You need the Lord to get you to bed at nine o'clock though. So how he breaks that vicious circle Only he knows. Lies, late nights, and lots to do. You know, one of the reasons I make a list, and sometimes I make a list and I'm all enthusiastic and I show my wife, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that because she likes to know what I'm going to do and I like to know what she's going to do. We kind of synchronize. And she'll say, sweetie, you'll never get all that done. Yeah, I think I will. (laughs) And then... I go down, you know, I do something on the computer or something, and she says, are you still down there? I only thought it would take five minutes. (laughs) I knew it wouldn't. (laughs) You know, sometimes, especially us men, especially men who like to achieve things, we can be over-optimistic to a dreadful fault. I honestly have thought some things that I'll get about ten things done on my list, and I've never got halfway through the first one. And I've had no interruptions. Talk about being over-optimistic. That is the carnal heart. Too much to do. It's a terrible habit to cram two days' work into one. We just burn ourselves out. A friend of mine recently, who's very goal-orientated, and he admits that, he likes to get where he's going, whether it be on a journey or in a project, he just likes to get there, He said, I'm learning to enjoy the journey. Wow, that was profound to me. I'm still chewing on that. Enjoy the journey. So often we get so focused on where we're going, we forget to enjoy life, to enjoy the children, to sit down and just have some quiet time, go for a walk. Lies, late nights, and lots to do. Take those burdens to the Lord, brothers and sisters. See if you're overcommitted. Cut some of those things away. Give the Lord the pruning knife. Let him cut some things out of your life so that you can have time with him in the morning. The date today is June 4th. And in a month's time, it'll be July 4th. I'm going to call upon those who are willing to make a commitment with the Lord. 
for 30 days from now till July 4th. That will stick in your minds. July 4th, not a date we can forget. I'm going to ask you, are you willing to say to God, I'll meet you in the morning for the next 30 days? Think that might change your life? Think that might help you to implement some of the things that you've learned at family camp meeting? I'm not talking about a casual commitment. And I don't want you just to kneel down because everybody else is. Be honest with yourselves. Are you willing to commit? Starting on the holy Sabbath morning tomorrow? To come to God and to kneel down upon your knees and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you. Seriously, God, I need you. And then to spend some time, maybe just one verse, and read it until you can find something in there for you and for your day. And then to spend some time thinking, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Is there a family here you want me to visit with? Do you want me to spend some extra time with the children? What do you want me to do, Lord? And then you can have a a plan. You know, Jesus, it says he came from his morning time charged, ready to go into the day. That can be our experience. If you're willing, children, youth, mothers, fathers, grandparents, if you're willing to commit to God to give him your next 30 mornings till July 4th, would you kneel with me? Father, Holy Father, this is no casual commitment that we're making before you as the Sabbath comes in. Father, we are weak. I personally confess, Father, my weakness. You know it. But, Father, I know that you can make great people out of weak people. Father, I know that each one of my brothers and sisters here have that desire of ages in their heart to come closer, to prosper spiritually, not just themselves, but as a family. Father, but we know we can't do it without you. We need you, Father. And Father, we ask that you would work in our hearts. Father, as we come to you in the morning and we do pledge ourselves before all heaven, by your grace, Father, because we can't do it by ourselves, by your grace, Father, we plan to meet you in the morning, to spend some time with you, to talk to you, Father, about what we need to talk about, to listen to you as you speak to us through your word, and to plan the day ahead. Father, I pray that 
that we would not weary in well-doing and that we might do that, not just tomorrow, but Sunday. And even when we're tired, Father, and we're heading back from camp meeting, Monday and Tuesday, that we might become transformed people because, Father, we know we cannot do it in our own strength. And we're asking you to do it for us. We can only give you our hearts, and we do, Father, polluted with sin, and it's all we've got to give you, and we give it to you now. Father, if we slip up, and I know we probably will, Father, help us to come running back to you. Help us not to give up. We pray, Father, you keep the devil away and give us a chance to come close to you. Father, that we might come back if time should last next year with testimonies just bubbling out of our hearts because of what you have done for us. Thank you, Father, that Christ did for us what he did. We give our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.